the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation, with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and award-winning veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel, and we are delighted to be with you as we take up today, Carol Zerniel, a topic that uh, we have touched on over the years that uh, is always stressful. Carol, by the way, holds a master's degree in social gerontology, 30 years experience in the field. She's the co-chair of the Rays National Council on Caregiving and executive director of the WellMed Cheryl Foundation. FTD, and I don't mean Flores Telegraph Delivery. No, frontotemporal degeneration. I hope I said that right. Sharon Hall will correct me if I didn't. Um, but so many of us don't understand the different types of dementia. And FTD um, is, uh, I'm not going to say it's everywhere, but it's its common enough, right, that we should know about it. We, sh- we need to distinguish between dementias whenever possible because the treatments are different. And the wrong treatment can lead to, to, to wrong, you know, determinations. Let's bring Sharon in. We've had her on nearly every year since we started doing this program. Sharon is a care partner to her husband who has frontotemporal degenerative FTD. She conducts an FTD chat for care partners and hosts a monthly podcast called Talking FTD. And we'll give you the uh, URL if you want to find that. Sharon has provided thought leadership on Medicare webinars, spoke about FTD at the NIH Research Summit on Dementia Care and Services, and is active in Georgia's Alzheimer's and Related Dementia State Alliance to improve dementia care. And it is great, Sharon Hall, to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I always love talking about FTD. (laughs) Well, for those who don't know what we're talking about, who when I say FTD, think Flora Telegraph Delivery, what is FTD? FTD, an acronym for frontotemporal dementia or degeneration, or frontotemporal lobe dementia. It's got, got a hundred names and under it are several other types. So it's it's a little more complicated than just Alzheimer's and its umbrella, but the FTD has various types. So with FTD, the most prevalent type is the behavior variant, which oftentimes is the hardest to deal with because it is behavior. And the next is primary progressive aphasia, which is the one that people have heard most recently about through Bruce Willis. And that is the language part of FTD. So frontotemporal, frontopersonality, that's the behavior. Temporal, that's the, that's the speech. And then there's a third umbrella under FTD, and that's the motor issues. So uh, we have, we have the, um, cortical basal syndrome, 
and progressive supernuclear palsy, and we are closely related. We share a gene with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. So uh, it's it's a very complicated thing, I guess you could say. So people get very confused about it, and uh, so that that's one of the reasons that FD is hard to diagnose. That it's not taught in medical school. It is not something they think that, oh, well, you'll never see it. So we'll just say it's there. But P.S., uh, it has young onset dementia as a whole has increased 300 percent for a study from Blue Cross Blue Shield in the in the past several years. So we're getting better at diagnosing. We, I say, I don't diagnose. I'm not a physician. I'm a care partner. But uh, the the general medical community is getting better at uh, at actually diagnosing. The biggest drawback with frontotemporal dementia is that normally when we go in and say something's wrong, so you go in as a couple and you go, something's wrong, this isn't the person I married, because it's about equal between men and women as far as the diagnosis is concerned. So when we go in and say something's going on, uh, it's trouble keeping a job, doing things that they've never done before. There's all these behaviors, maybe excessive drinking, gambling, um, hypersexuality, which nobody likes to talk about. And where do we get pushed? We get pushed into marriage counseling. Oh, there's something wrong with your marriage. No, there's something wrong with my partner. My spouse is not who they were. So I always tell people when someone is not who they were, you should think neurology before going down that psychology path, at least eliminate the possibility of a neurological disorder. That's good advice. We'll pick that up in a moment. You're, if you're listening now and just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Sharon Hall is with us, a nationally recognized spokesperson and an expert on FTD, frontotemporal degenerative disease, and we are so pleased to have her with us. Carol? So, Sharon, you know, I that's where I met you at a conference several years ago where you were talking about some of these behaviors. And back when I was teaching uh, gerontology, we used to say that personality does not change because of age. That's not normal. If someone's personality changes, something is wrong. And so I think what you said is so important. And those behavior changes, if you take just one of them, excessive drinking, one might not think um, of FTD. In your experience, is it one thing? Is it multiple things? I remember stories of people spending all the money in the bank account, um, you know, not caring that their family, you know, they walked out on their family and went and did, you know, ran off with somebody else and did all kinds of very bizarre things. Um, yes. Is it usually one thing or is it usually multiple things? Can be multiple can start with one. Like all dementia, if you look back, you can probably see things that were different as much as 20 years before you actually go, hair on fire, something's wrong. And it's sort of a cumulative effect. So, okay, so your husband comes home every day and has a beer. Okay, we don't think anything of that. Well, one day he starts having two. You think, well, you know, he's getting older, he's getting closer, closer to, you know, maybe changing a job or retiring or whatever. And you, you don't think too much of it. You sort of take those little things as they come as, hey, we all, you know, 
we all can screw up. We can all we can all get mad at a boss and say, I'm going to quit. Uh, we can have a 25-year job and suddenly we don't have it. I mean, those things can happen. So we sort of, what happens is we kind of look at these little things and until it becomes a real hair on fire, like, oh my gosh, he spent his whole 401k, 401k and came home with a Lamborghini and we have four children. It's one of those moments that you go, oh my goodness, something is way off the rails. And then when you look back, you can start putting it all together. Oh, I remember when he went from one beer to two and then a six pack on a weekend. I can remember when he used to just bring lottery tickets home and then all of a sudden he got hooked into casinos. You know, it's it, it's one of those things where you look back and you go, oh, I bet you that was it. So there, there isn't really a place where you can put your finger and say it started here. So that's one of the things that sometimes it's cumulative. Where did but, you go for help and how did you get it? Well, tell us I the story. Say, my husband's mother was diagnosed with Pick's disease way back in like the late 80s, early 90s at the University of Alabama, Birmingham in their aging department. And the family just said, oh, it's like Alzheimer's. And it was Pick's, they were diagnosed as Pick's disease. So she must have been kind of a raving FTD person to be diagnosed that long ago. Although Pick's disease or now behavior variant FTD was, was founded back in 1896. And Alzheimer's used that research to find Alzheimer's disease in 1906. So it's been around a long time, but very unrecognized. So my mother-in-law had Pick's disease. My husband was, bizarre things started happening. And we got pushed into the marriage counseling group. I could see he was trying, nothing was working. And I was on uh, caregiving.com for my mother because I was taking care of her at the time when she was living with us. And someone posted about FTD, a little video about FTD. And I said, oh, my goodness, I think he has what his mother had. We never knew about the behaviors until his sisters came over after diagnosis and said, oh, yeah, mom, blah, blah, blah. Well, Rod didn't live near her at the time, never saw those behaviors. And heaven forbid, we should talk about things that were kind of not nice. So that's what happens. It gets buried and people don't talk about it because they're socially inappropriate oftentimes. So they lose their filter. They'll say inappropriate things to people. And um, so it, it it's not something that families like to talk about. So here we were. I said, oh, my goodness, this thing has been misdiagnosed so much. I've read a lot about it now. We're not getting misdiagnosed. We went right to Emory. We went right to a cognitive neurologist. The appointment was six months out at Thanksgiving time. It was supposed to be in May. At Thanksgiving time, he had a total meltdown at my uh, daughter-in-law's uh, sister's home for Thanksgiving. And I called that Monday and said, you've got nothing. He's still working. He's going to lose his job. I don't know what to do. You've got to refer to someone. They said, well, we'll call you back. They got him in that Monday. And we definitely, we had a, sort of a definitive diagnosis at that time because of his mother and because of the behaviors and because of the change in personality. And uh, the official diagnosis came in January of uh, 2016. So that's when we were officially diagnosed. But uh, we knew that in 2015 when we went into that appointment. So that's how we did it. So in do you think the um, the PET scans, some of the technology today 
um, is able to help diagnose FTD sooner than sort of that screening that we used to go through? Yes, absolutely. Uh, PET scans really have made a difference. When my husband was diagnosed, the insurance would not pay for a PET scan. The thought process there was, well, there's nothing you can do about it. So why, why, you know, the MRI was normal, which is common. It's not uncommon in FTD to have a normal MRI very long into the disease sometimes. And because of diagnosing and because physicians don't know about about FTD, primary physicians, Dr. Bove at Mayo says that primary physicians see zero to two FTD people in their entire career. And a regular neurologist will see five to 10 in their entire career. So they're going to go with what they think. And what do they think? Okay, if they're thinking dementia, which doesn't happen in our 30-year-olds or 20-year-olds, that doesn't happen. Our FTD people sometimes are in their 20s, 30s, small children at home. So uh, they're not thinking dementia. And if they are, if they're kind of in that 45 to 60 kind of range, that is kind of the target there. That's usually when it gets so bad, somebody says something's got to be done. Uh, When they're in that range there, uh, they're still not thinking dementia. And if they are, they're thinking Alzheimer's. Maybe this is young onset Alzheimer's. Sharon Hall, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And we're talking with Sharon Hall, talking about FTD. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. Well, thank you so much for listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. We're delighted to have you with us. We come to you every week with a discussion of an issue, a problem, some accomplishments involved in caregiving with more than 60 million caregivers across this country, but most thinking they are the Lone Rangers. We try to bring you the latest information and help that can make that job easier and more manageable. Caregiver SOS On Air takes a look at trends across this country. We provide tips on how to be a better caregiver, and most importantly, where you can go for help. On Caregiver SOS On Air, we try to give you what you need to make that caregiving manageable and to provide you with the help that can make your life easier. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel and I are delighted to co-host this program, and we're thrilled you've joined us on the award-winning Caregiver SOS On Air podcast available everywhere, brought to you by WellMed Charitable Foundation. Hello, friend. We're talking about a disease that is still underdiagnosed and difficult to pinpoint, and yet it is very real. I'm Ron Aaron on Caregiver SOS On Air. Carol Zorniel is our co-host. She is with us, and we're talking with Sharon Hall about her husband's battle with FTD, frontal temporal degeneration disease. And uh, Sharon, you said your husband, uh, right around Thanksgiving, had a major meltdown. What does that look like? What is it that happened? One of the things about FTD is they lose executive functioning. And it was over. We were at my daughter-in-law's sister's home who has a big Thanksgiving and we all get together beforehand. And so my, we had an Airbnb and my husband stayed there while my mother and I went to help with preparations for, for the Thanksgiving event. And he stayed at the Airbnb and he was going over for dinner. And I got this call. We had a truck at the time and he was, 
backing out of the driveway of the Airbnb and went into a ditch with the truck and uh, just was beside himself, did not know what was going, what to do. He did call and get uh, road service. We were way on the top of a mountain. It was, it was, and by the time he got to us, he was so frazzled. It was like, he just, he, he, he didn't want to eat. He didn't want to, he was aggravated. He was, uh, he wasn't abusive to anyone, but he was very aggravated. He didn't want anything to eat. Leave me alone. Um, I'll just have a piece of pie. Uh, it was, it was very uncommon for him to act this way. And, uh, that, that was real. And he was still working. And I had seen this progression in this sort of aggressive behavior and flying off the handle for nothing. And I had seen an increase in that. And he was a manager. And I thought, I bet he's doing this at work as well to his to his employees. Sometimes he had temporary employees. And I just knew that the next step was going to be he was going to be out the door because they had already moved in another manager, which was kind of a red light to me that things aren't going well there. And um, And so that's what really pushed it over. We already had the appointment. It was like six months away. And I just said, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait because I didn't want him to lose his job. And uh, when he did lose his job, he we did have short-term disability. So we were able to, because with social security disability insurance, when he went on social security disability, you do not get benefits for five months and you do not get Medicare for two full years. This is a travesty to young families. I have worked for eight years to try to get that dropped. I'm getting closer, I think, I hope, uh, but uh, it definitely needs to be dropped at least for dementia. And that's for all dementia, Alzheimer's as well. Young onset Alzheimer's goes through this same thing with losing jobs. That's where your insurance comes from is your job. And now for two years, I have a terminal illness and I have no insurance. We have some people paying $3,000 a month to insure their FTD person. How can they do that? <laughs> a lot of them lose their homes. They lose their incomes. A lot of spouses have to quit their job to stay with them because if you get help into the home, a lot of times they do become aggressive and somebody says, oh, I'm not dealing with this. And it's usually all about an unmet need. People with FTD, I always say they have an ego as big as Cleveland. So, and they should all get an Academy Award because they can fake it till they make it. You can meet somebody with FTD and that spouse knows what's going on at home, but they'll act to you like a perfectly normal person and you'll think the spouse is nuts. Well, you mentioned Academy Award, which brings my brain back to, to Bruce Willis. You know, Michael J. Fox really made an impact on the awareness of Parkinson's disease when he came out and said that's what he had. Do you think that the diagnosis and Bruce Willis's family being willing to share that diagnosis is making a difference for FTD? Yes, I think it's making a difference, but there's one drawback. <laughs> and, and that is, I call it the icky parts. Because with behavior variant, which is the most prominent, you have these socially inappropriate behaviors. No one talks about them. Like what? And that has been my mission for eight years. Tell our stories. Tell how bad it is. We have people, 
we have one person here in Georgia, young man, 34, outstanding citizen. Uh, long story short, he he kept coming home and she had him she had him on a restraining order. He got arrested. He didn't wasn't diagnosed yet. Got arrested, spent 10 months in solitary confinement because of his aggression. When they sent him to the state forensic unit, they found an astute psychologist there said, maybe this is neurodegenerative. Did an MRI, he had FTD. It's been estimated by some that about 20% of the prison population is undiagnosed FTD. We also have, a many years ago, a librarian who was an excellent person, got all kinds of awards and ended up homeless, ended up being killed in a homeless shelter. And because he was murdered, they did an autopsy and they found that he had FTD. His wife had divorced him because of everything that went on. Of course, now she, you know, has this guilt to live with that, oh my goodness, he was sick. And these are the things that if we don't talk about these, if we don't talk about the drinking, the gambling, the hypersexuality, the inappropriate behavior, the aggression, if we don't talk about those, People aren't going to have the little light bulb go on and say, I think that's my Uncle Tom. You know, it's interesting. I hear you say this. We have a very good friend whose husband, a very, very successful attorney, uh, began engaging in inappropriate sexual behavior, drained their bank accounts, spent all his money on prostitutes, uh, and, and yet for all purposes, when you met him and saw him, seemed perfectly normal and the same old guy. And I'm thinking, listening to you, wondering, Maybe that was the issue. They did get divorced. Counseling didn't help, as you know so well. Uh, and uh, the marriage ended up in the trash. And maybe the issue was medical. Absolutely. But we don't think when of that. When someone is not who they were, consider neurology first. Uh, it, it's just if I can just get that message out to everyone. And when I speak to groups, they're inevitably, when I talk about these, what I call icky parts, when I talk about them and bring it out that these are things that can happen and how the personality changes, just like you're saying, when I bring that out, inevitably someone comes up to me at the end and says, I think my son-in-law or my cousin or my uncle has this. And it's it's just getting there. And once you mention it to them, people will start looking at it. So now they'll go home and say, you know, I was at this thing and this lady was talking about this thing called FTD and I kind of sounded like Bill, you know, and, and I go on and Google and wow, it looks just like him and and maybe we need to do something about it. So I think that pushes it forward. But if you don't talk about the icky parts, nobody knows. But if someone's losing language, it's pretty easy to recognize. When someone is going to prostitutes, that seems like a moral issue. Right. So I hear you saying, see, in my mind, when they do the story on Bruce Willis, I'm thinking, wow, that family must really be going through something. But that's because I know about the behavior. So I hear you saying they're not talking about the icky parts. And it would really be doing a, a, a better service to say, these are the things we've seen in our in Bruce. This is what it could mean to your family. Well, uh, on another note, uh, he does a primary progressive aphasia and that starts with speech. Right. So he so, can't talk. Uh, what I'm saying is that I don't blame his family. They may be very well telling what is happening in his life. But the problem is that's not the only way FTD presents and if we don't start talking about all presentations of FTD, 
it will remain underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed. Now, it's before we run out of time, parts. where can people go for more information, Sharon? How can they learn about this? And the second part of that question is, once you know what it is, can you fix it? I think the answer is no. No. It, it is just like Alzheimer's. It is a neurodegenerative disease. No one has survived. And uh, it is progressive. It progresses in a different way than Alzheimer's. It progresses more of a step. So you'll have a plateau and a step and a plateau and a step rather than a nice bell kind of curve that you have with, with Alzheimer's where it kind of slowly progresses. But uh, there's much information out there through NIH, uh, through the Association of Frontotemporal Degeneration, AFTD. So there's a lot of information out there if you just Google frontotemporal dementia, uh, you'll find tons now, now that we have Google to, to, to depend on. And there are some very clear signs. And those are the things that people need to pay attention to, particularly that icky part. And how do they get a hold of you and your website? I have a, um, <laughs> a couple ways. <laughs> Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm just a care partner, okay? I always say just a care partner. I shouldn't say it that way, but I'm a care partner. I, I'm not a person that's you know, there with their own website. But website. I do have uh, dimensionneeds.blogspot.com where I keep a lot of information. And uh, and there's a lot of information there about FTD and, and there's a link to the podcast and other things there. So that's probably the, the easiest way. And my email is SharonHall419 at yahoo.com. And people are certainly welcome to email me and Perfect. ask me what they need. Got to stop you right there. Flat out of time. Sharon, thank you so much, Sharon Hall talking about FTD. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Talk with you soon right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.